see all of you here today. Especially good to have Boone with us today. Amen. His near, near tragic accident. I've got uh, five grandchildren here today, and I'd like for them to all stand up. You girls stand up. Yeah, do what. There they are. And the one won't stand up. Now she did. Thank you. Y'all may be seated. My, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the youngest one, uh, she's got a lot of personality. But she's very bashful. Very bashful. Reminds me of me when I was a child. Nina asked her this morning, why don't you want to go to church? She said, I don't like the people at your church. <laughs> and Debbie said, why do you not like the people at this church? They talk to me. <laughs> so that's the true, true personality of a very bashful person. Most churches, they wouldn't like you if they didn't talk. But she didn't like us because you talked to her. <laughs> Look at Luke with me, chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. It's good to see uh, Sharon here today. She's out and about. It's good to see her doing, doing well. I think Boone's over in the children's department, isn't he? Yeah, over working with the kids. <clears throat> good to see his grandfather here with us today. Luke chapter 4. We're just now getting started in the book of Luke. Luke's record of the life of Christ when he is first involved in ministry. When he first starts his ministry. Uh, Luke took us from the birth in chapter 2. The genealogy and then John baptizing Jesus and initiating the ministry of Jesus. John, the God, God called man, uh, baptized Jesus. And the whole time John's baptized, he said, man, I, I need to be baptizing you. And Jesus said, what's the big deal? You're supposed to be baptizing me. Just do it. And that's our new translation of that. And so God gives man and women ministry to do that is sent from God. Authorized by God. And uh, sure, Jesus could have done a better job baptizing than, than John, but Jesus didn't baptize anybody. Now, if you thought, if you really, if you, if, if you thought that baptism is the key to being saved, I think Jesus would have done it. It's not essential to salvation. Thief on the cross was not baptized. Today you shall be with me in paradise. And then some people will use that for an excuse not to follow the Lord in baptism. But that's, that's just, you work it all the way you, you want to work it, right? Let's read the text together, chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. The temptation of Jesus is where we're at now. He's been baptized, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, where he was baptized, and was led of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil... And in those days he did eat nothing. Those 40 days he didn't eat anything. 
And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that it may uh, be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word, but by every word of God. And the devil taketh him into a high mountain, showeth unto him all the kingdoms of the world. So you need food, now you need power. In, in, in a moment of time, and, and verse 6, And the devil said to them, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for I, that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. Wow. Verse 7, If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from Jesus for a season. Just a little time there. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region and round about, and he taught in the synagogue, in their synagogue, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and overcovering and the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he chose, he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fasting upon on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bearing witness and wondered at the gracious words. That's good. Gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me, uh, this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I'll tell you the truth, Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. When the heavens were shut up, Three years and six months, When the great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save to Sorrenta, 
a city of Sidon, unto the woman, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the, unto the brow of the hill and whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went his way. Matter of fact, I've been to that place where they took him to throw him over the hill. Got to go there in January. Just a, just, just a little, that's a blessing. If you ever get to go, uh, you will really enjoy knowing those things. Well, we're looking at the first part of the ministry of Jesus. What happens before he goes into ministry? He gets baptized and then he goes into the wilderness experience. So Luke is just picking up at the baptism in verse 1. Jesus, when he comes out of that uh, baptism, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. Now, some people have the ideal that when God leads you, it's only to higher ground. It's only to good things. All the blessings. We don't see that in Scripture. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into a difficult place, a difficult time in his life. And there, as verse 2 tells us, he's tempted 40 days and nights, 40 days and nights of the devil. And he ate nothing. My goodness, I wouldn't need the devil to make me upset. Four hours later, I'm pitching a fit, saying, where's God? (laughs) But the Holy Spirit doesn't always lead us to a good place. He led him to a place of temptation. At the end of the the latter part, we kind of get the idea at the latter part of this, at his weakest moment, we have recorded the three major temptations that he was tempted to of the devil with. And then we see the reality of the devil in the text. Some people want to say there's no devil. It's just kind of a mythological ideal of a devil being the book of man and all this. But the reality is there is a real personal devil. God made him Lucifer and he turned, he fell because of pride and became Satan. So he's real. He's not everywhere. He's not omnipresent. He's not equal with God. He is a created being. And so we see him in the text tempting the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, the devil. Verse 5, the devil. Verse 6, the devil. He's the mastermind of the evil that's going on in the world today. And he definitely has a plan for the world. And to us it seems like he's winning in so many ways. But in reality... He's on a string, and God just allows him so much, so much string. God could hold him without the string, and he does. So it's just not a battle in the mind of Jesus. It's, it's a real battle. It's a real spiritual struggle. There's a, a comparison and a contrast, if you want to do that with me, 
And Satan's confrontation with Adam in the beginning in the garden and his confrontation with Jesus, the Son of God, here in the wilderness. Well, when he came to Adam in the garden, okay, he came to Adam when he was full and filled and comfortable and everything, all of his surroundings were just wonderful. But when he came to Jesus, he came to a wilderness where there's a hot sun, where there's no trees, where there's no anything, and, and at his worst moment, starving for food. And Adam, being full, Jesus having fasted, Adam is defeated and Jesus is victorious. Adam, the Son of God, was created by Jesus. Jesus, on the other hand, is God, and he is not created. He came in the form of a human when he was born. He, he came there, placed in his mother's womb. He was placed in his mother's womb, Mary, and he grew into a human. He came through the door to the, the, the world, to human life. He didn't come through a window. He just didn't show up one day uh, full grown. He came born of a woman came through the door into life. He came the right way. And as a matter of fact, I, I don't know the real reason for the reference, but Jesus gives us warnings about one that might come some other way. I don't know what that means. Is there going to be uh, some kind of creature come onto the scene that might be the Antichrist? I, they're telling us now the, that there was a... Uh, a whistleblower that says there is something to these creatures from other places than the earth. You, how many's heard that? I don't know. I have no opinion on it. But Jesus came of a woman. The Creator of the world became a man the proper way. I read you from Hebrews chapter one: "And God, in sundry time and manners." Uh, uh, and manner spake in times past by the fathers to the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, of whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus, the Son of God, the only uh, lower than the Father in this sense that he became flesh. God in his state, the Father is spirit, which is higher than flesh. But the miracle of incarnation, Jesus became one of us. Over in uh, Colossians 1, 15 and 17, who is the image of the invisible God? Isn't that a great human way of saying that God is a spirit and Jesus became a man who is the image of the invisible God? There's a, there's a concept that, you know, the Bible teaches you not to make any graven images of God. In reality, God violated that himself, became the image of God himself. Why did he do that? Because there's no other way to save us. He had to break the rules to save us. Well, a loving God who in all of his ability does everything to get us to heaven. You've got to go to heaven. You've got to go to hell 
going through all the preventions that God has made. You just choose to go to hell because you won't come to him that you might receive life and life more abundantly. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9 said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, there it is again, the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, whereby, wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at his name every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. God just did all that could be done to save us when he became a man. I'm not saying he's limited, but God is limited in the, fa in the fact that he cannot sin. He cannot sin. So the Son of God, 100% God, 100% man, he's tempted by the real entity, uh, that person, the devil, not just an entity. He's tempted by a real devil, and he does not sin. Now, if you want to read this, sometimes you can read this. It's called the, the, the doctrine of impeccability. I'll give you a real term to chew on a little bit today the doctrine of impeccability uh, there may be a newer term they use for that now but back in that day we learned it as the doctrine of impeccability and what it means is that the temptation never reached Jesus he was tempted yet it never reached him because he is God and here is what impeccability says if he could have sinned he would have sinned and if he was a man he would have sinned and he wouldn't be God the, the, the doctrine of impeccability. So it's impossible that God would sin. Shake your head with me or say amen with me or something. You follow that. So all of these temptations are really not going to get Jesus to sin, but you know what it's going to do? It's going to reveal to you and I who God is in the flesh. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So it really comes when sin... Oh, 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 got to go here. When sin comes your way and my way, it just reveals who we are. Ooh, that's not all nice, is it? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of... The only exception to that rule is the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Impeccability, he could not sin. And some of you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You, 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 your rational reasoning people say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you just don't comprehend what was going on. The reality is, it was done to prove that he is God. That's it. The verse 3, notice the temptation. Now, Adam fell because he was a man. Now, let's get that impeccability separated here. Adam fell because he was a man. If you were there, you would have done that or more. If I was there, I guarantee you I'd done more. Right? I was saying, I'd, I said, just give me the whole tree. I don't want the fruit. I want the whole thing. I'm going to eat tonight and tomorrow and next day too. I mean, we would all sin to come short of the glory of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ, when tempted of the devil, did not sin. So, we see the temptation. Verse 3, let's read that. It says, and, uh, and the devil said unto him, a person, the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. You have the power to do this. You have the power to do this. But, you know, before we get into that, I want to see one other thing that we need to say. Did you see the first word? What's the first word? 
What's the first word? You got it. Who said if? You got it. He said if. If. Puts the question the Word of God. Puts the question the Son of God. If. Are you sure you're the Son of God? Are you sure? He puts, he doubt. Satan places doubt. Hey, when you doubt your salvation, you're miserable. Anybody, who, who has never doubted their salvation? Raise their hand. Because that's be less hands than the other one, right? All right, who has doubted their salvation? And that's because we're human. We fall short of the glory of God, and we do things inconsistent with what we think a Christian ought to be, and it causes us to doubt our salvation. But Satan puts doubt in your mind. The reality of a devil is really serious to me because I can go to bed tonight and I don't have a problem in the world. I sleep like a baby. When I go to bed on Saturday night, I'm thinking about everything I ever did wrong all the way back to when I was born. You don't have no right to get up there and talk to them people. Look what you, remember what you, you know, yeah, you remember that? You caused that. You're the problem. You are the problem. Anybody go through that? That doubt, it's human doubt, it's human to doubt, but man, it seems to be satanic inspired. At least evil, spirit inspired. So he said, if you be the Son of God, use your power for selfish purposes. And we're tempted with that, aren't we? Use our power for selfish motive. We're all tempted with that. And you deserve a break today. You've earned this, you've earned it. And you know, there's even religions out there that sell indulgences. So if you want to go out and get some involved immorally with someone, send, you just do a lot of good for charities, send, send a, a $1,000 to this charity and, and, and do some good things for some homeless people this week, and then you can go out and you can do your immoral sin and it all balances out. That is nothing but nuts. And you know, you say, preacher, you're making it up. I am not making it up. I'm not making it up. My goodness, we're sinners. Well, Jesus gave him a Bible answer, didn't he? Verse 4. He gave him a Bible. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We need to find those Bible answers to our temptation, don't we? Jesus is teaching us how to live the Christian life. We've got to come back at the Bible. The Bible is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It accomplished what God set it out to do. That's Isaiah 55, 11 and Hebrews 4, 12. The Word of God is powerful. Second Peter 2, 2, we should desire the Word of God, the sincere milk of God as a newborn babe desires the milk of his mother. Hey, it's milk, it's meat, it's manna. We need to use the Word of God in our life. We need to have the Word of God stored in our heart. Then we see the second temptation in verse 5, and the devil taketh him into a high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, verse 6, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I'll give it. Wow, now, boy, you're speaking of big things here, Mr. Mr. Devil. He said, he said, I got the power of the whole world in my hand. I give it to whoever. He said, it was given to me, and I give it to whoever I want. Now, if that is true, I'll tell you how it got there. It was surrendered by Adam when he took of that fruit, 
to Lucifer, and he's referred to the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world, right? Satan is referred to as the prince and power of the air, the god of this world. If that be true that he has that power, and I question it because I don't trust a liar, do y'all? I don't trust a liar. And we don't know all these things. I mean, some of you may be smart than I, you know, so don't tell me, don't waste your time. I'll not know if you're done telling me. So I don't know if he has the power to do this. Does Satan have the power to give the rule of the world to him? And, and truthfully, under the, under the permissive will of God, he may have that. We think of these evil people that get into power. I don't even want to name them because the list gets longer. Or is he lying? He's known to be a liar. He's the father of all lies. So we don't know. Don't trust a liar. The devil is a liar. If he tells you, if you do this, I'll give you this, he's a liar. He's setting you up. The devil will tell you, you need to just, you need to look at this beautiful woman, or maybe she ain't so beautiful. He, he said, that is a beautiful woman. You say, duh, well, she is, ain't she? Duh, she's ugly as homemade soap. And your wife's sitting in the house, and you're mad at her. You're mad at your wife. You need to do this. You deserve it to break today. He's a liar. You'll have more problems when you get home than you ever had before. I'd hate to see what happened to Philip when he come home. He tried one of them. That skillet on his head. Wow. Don't match. It don't match the rest of you. Dent in his head. But people are tempted every day, and we're tempted every day, and we fall for the stupidest temptations, don't we? The devil hadn't come up with no new ideals. You know why? He don't need them. The old ones still work. And if he can do it around sexuality, man, that is seemed like one of his best. Stealing and power and, and overcoming and, and having power and having money and having sex. What, what does he need new? He just, he just devises new ways to get it in front of you. People are tempted every day. What does Satan desire? He wants to make a deal with you. God doesn't make deals with you. God tells you the truth. If you come to me and bow to me, I'll give you eternal life, and you can go to heaven with me. If you'll come to Jesus and believe on me and trust me, I'll give you eternal life. I won't make you perfect until I get you to heaven. He doesn't make a deal. He just tells it's true. But the, Satan's always got a deal. He, you know, it's like he, he's, he's a telemarketer. He calls you on the phone and they tell you all the good news, but none of the bad news. You're supposed to figure that out yourself. And the devil said, And then all the power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that delivereth unto me, and whosoever I will, I give it, if thou therefore will worship me. Satan wants to be worshipped. These stupid idiots are putting statues of Satan up, and they're worshipping them. These people are blind. Blind. Wow. To each his own. If thou therefore will worship me. What does Satan want? He wants worship. And he don't care if you worship him through you or some other way. It's just don't worship God. Jesus gives him an answer. Verse 8. Get thee behind me, Satan. 
For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. All right, Jesus gave us a tremendous truth here that we need to carry home. We need to live out our life. Get thee behind me, Satan. Practice it. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Lord, help us to worship you and serve you and don't bow before the other gods that are in this world. Now, by the way, Satan can quote Scripture with the best of us. He can twist them. He can turn them. And he does so. Verse, then the third temptation, verse 9, And he brought him uh, to Jerusalem and set him in the pinnacle of the temple and said to them, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, he quoted Scripture, he, that giveth, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt death thy foot against the stone. One of Satan's philosophy, nothing will harm you if you do the right thing. Nothing will harm you. Oh, I got news for you, you're going to kick the bucket one of these days. We don't know when or where. I hope, I'm not, I hope I'm not riding in the car with you when it happens. But we're going to die. Bad things happen to good people, God people, bad people, all the rest. God's punishing me. No, God's not punishing you. You're going through that experience. Maybe you brought it on. I don't know. But we have these three temptations. The third one, he takes him to this high place and says, you can do anything. Never fear. What is that slogan they had about 15 years ago? About fear, don't fear anything. It's be best you fear God. And I'll tell you what, if there's an 18-wheeler going to come down the highway, I'd say you ought to fear stepping out in front of it. I don't know why God would save you from that, idiot. But people get the craziest wacko ideals. Verse 10 it, he shall give his hand. He just uses scripture and he twists it. Verse 12, And Jesus answered and said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt uh, shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus didn't use a whole lot of scripture. He just used one short little blunt of scripture and he, he, just, he just takes care of business. And then it says that the devil left him. Well, there's a lot of things we can learn about temptation. There's just a lot. And I don't need to get into all of it, but uh, there's just things that that we need to learn. Let me give you it, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You ought to write this down if you've got your phone or your paper and pen. There is no temptation taken you but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Okay, wait a minute now. First lesson, your bad situation is not uncommon. People are going through things every day. All day long. Two, God is always faithful. You can trust God, He's faithful. Third one, this was important, I think. He will not suffer you or allow you to be attempted above that you're able. Okay, so that you know what that does? That puts us in our, our camp that we willfully acted on that sin, didn't we? We willfully act on the sin. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No, I did it myself. I didn't have to do it. Right? And so, but God, notice the next 
thing we learned. But God will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape. You could have got out of that. You didn't have to do that. That you may be able to enjoy it. Is that what he said? <clears throat> That's the only time I, the devil made me twist the scripture, didn't he? He said that you'd be able to bear it. <clears throat> God didn't find, promise us a fun time. Budweiser and all them things, they promise you a fun time. They're lying to you. God didn't promise all the better roses. He never promised you a rose garden. Yeah. I can get with it. Amen. That you may be able, be able to bear it. So there's some great lessons there in that text for us to carry home with. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now after the temptation, Jesus returns to the area of Galilee there, and he has more of the Holy Spirit on him. He has more of the Holy Spirit. And so there's the Bible concept of, of you're, you're, a, you're a jar. You and I are a jar. We are a container. We know we're a container. We contain things. And, and in our soul, we're a container, and we can be full of the Holy Spirit, or we can be half full, or we can be half empty, or we can be a quarter... We are filled with the Spirit, and because we have a hole in our jar, we leak. And we have to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't leak. <laughs> so he came, in verse 15, he taught in the synagogues, and he went to his hometown. And his custom was, verse 16, he would go and he would read the Scripture. He would read the scripture. I, I, I think, I just, I, I'll think about this. When he was a little boy, he would read in the scripture. Who wants to read the scripture today? And Noah Pate said, not me. Jesus said, I'll read it. And everybody probably got jealous. He just like stand up and read. He just, you know, proud of himself. He was probably ridiculed. But they gave him the book of Isaiah we see his ministry in verse 18. I think that's important. Jesus announces his calling and what he's going to do. And it's still true today what he wants to do. Look at verse 18. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. What does God want us to do? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Notice he said to the poor. Well, we're all poor spiritually, right? We could look at it that way. But some of us are poorer than others financially. And so... Everybody wants to preach to the wealthy, but Jesus said, don't neglect the poor. Preach the gospel to the poor. And he had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus heals the broken hearts. There are people living in self-denial saying they don't have a broken heart. Well, get over it and say, I'm broken. And so he says he, he's, he's to preach deliverance to the captive, and we've all been under some type of bondage in our life. And so he said, the recovering the sight to the blind. And we've all been spiritually blind, if not physically blind. And he said, set at liberty them that are bruised. We've all been bruised. We're all bruised. You know, we, we uh, you know, <laughs> people uh, want to look at other people and uh, want to gain some kind of moral... Uh, authority in their life by feeling sorry for other people. But we need to all feel sorry for ourselves in reality because we've all been bruised. You don't think you've been bruised? You're probably bruised worse. We've been bruised. So what does he say? Go preach the gospel. 
to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. And then verse 19, he goes on to say, and the preached acceptable year of the Lord. And that's a reference to the coming of Christ. Jesus is going to come back to the earth. Everybody's, many, many people have made a living over saying when it's going to happen. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. We don't know. We need to be ready. And, you know, I, I got my own favorite thought, thoughts to think about when it comes to the Lord coming back. And I've got those scriptures I like to read and says that we're not in darkness as it won't overcome you as a thief. But it won't overcome me. But I don't know when it is. The reason it's not going to overcome me, I'm going to be with him. So he came to bring blessings to the world and that's exactly what he did and you and I need to go out and be a blessing to the world in which we live in hey listen we need to preach the gospel the acceptable year of the Lord we need to preach the truth of God's word but we need to make sure that we're blessing the people too Jesus wants us to honor him with our lives and with our words and what we do and so it says that the, part, the people marveled over his gracious words can you imagine this? They got mad at him and wanted to throw him off the, the, the cliff there. But it wasn't because of what he said. It was because of who he was. You say, I, I don't want to witness to people because I don't want them to not like me. What you say to them won't affect that. They'll either like you or not like you based on who you belong to. And if you're saved, you belong to Jesus. Well, let's skip down to verse 25, and it says, But I tell you the truth, I tell you of a truth. Many widows when Israel in the days of Elias, when the heavens were shut up in three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all of the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent save unto Sarenta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Everybody's not going to get saved. Everybody's not going to get healed. Not everybody's going to know God. I don't have that choice. I don't have that. I don't have the, the that ministry to pick and choose who. I'm just glad I'm in. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. And, and notice, he said there was many widows. There was many widows. There was many well, uh, lepers in that day. But God came to Naaman, and He came to the little woman, the little widow woman. Do we understand the workings of God? No. We have God figured out. No. We just better enjoy what part we have in. Jesus is saying that God is in charge and thank God the Lord came to me and you look at the response. Verse 28, and all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. They got mad over this. What did they get mad over? They got mad because Jesus said that he didn't come to everybody. He just came to that widow and he just came to that Gentile Naaman. The religion is getting in their way is reality. The truth angered them. Who he was angered them in reality. What did the Lord do? 
Well, he preached and taught in Capernaum. He delivered a man that was filled with a devil. And he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And at the end of the day, they just brought people to him and he began to heal the multitude of people that came to him. Jesus is not spending his time studying that night trying to give an answer to a bunch of ignorant folks. <laughs> I don't know why it is I do the same thing, but somebody gives me some kind of ignorant answer and I go worry about three days about it. What did I say wrong? What could I say different? What could I do? Nothing! God sent the prophet to those two people and until God sends somebody, quit, just go preach the gospel to the poor. Preach the, the, the acceptable year of the Lord and heal who may come. Fix the hearts up of those that come and quit worrying about that those that don't will not. We can spend our life worrying about those that will not. And Satan would enjoy that. In summary, verse 41. And the devils also and the devils also came out of many crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. Jesus does not want to be glorified by an unfit devil. He wants to be glorified by his followers. Those that know him and those that love him. That's the summary. Verse 43, And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. You know, in summary of this, let me say to you and I, we don't need to be hung up on an experience that we had last week or want to have next week, we just need to be obedient to the Lord and preach the gospel. Give the gospel out to the cities that are before us, the people that are in front of us. And quit worrying about what don't work out. Put it out of your mind and go forward for Jesus. And you know what? We don't know what's going to happen to those that don't go forward, but many of them will fall in line and do the right thing. We don't need to Simmer in our problems, simmer in our celebrations. <laughs> we need to continue. He cast out the devils. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed those that were brought to him in the evening. He just did what he's supposed to do. He went on about God's business. And guess what today, Christian folks? We're in God's business. So, have you got somebody on your mind that you're going to talk to about Jesus this week? Have you got somebody that you led to Christ or someone else led to Christ that you might encourage to get them to be a part of God's work, to get them involved with serving Jesus, loving Jesus, living for Jesus, winning others to Jesus? Jesus just went about his work. All oh, the political upheaval of the time of Jesus. Oh, man, I don't want to go into all the details, but... You know what? They didn't have any abortion laws. They didn't have any slavery laws. They didn't have none of those laws. All that stuff was a lot worse than it is in our world today, in our country. But Jesus wasn't focused on all that. He's focused on doing God's will. Now, I would say to you, go vote, do all those things civically that you need because we are in the most blessed nation in all the world. We have been blessed to be here. 
And we didn't start out perfect, neither are we perfect now. We're trying to improve it. Uh, hopefully, we've tried to improve it over the years. Do all those things, but remember, the big thing is where people spend eternity. In heaven or in hell. Let's bury Let's be about God's business. Lord, I come before you today. I thank you for your word. Your word is adequate. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts and encourage your hearts to do the right thing, to live for you, to honor you, to please you, just to be faithful to you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that is not a Christian, that they look to Jesus today and trust him as their Savior, that he died on the cross for their sins and they trust him to be saved. We ask your blessings on this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and sing that song out loud. You need to come today. You come to this altar. We invite you to come. It's good to see each of you. Place to kneel, place to bow, place to...